This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we have an exciting show on rocks, gems, and minerals. And we are going to talk about some really interesting subjects. One of them is something that's as pretty as a peacock gem that was made, um, man-made, that we're going to talk about. And it's really something spectacular because you are going to be blown away at what this does um, and the things that it can predict and help. It's just amazing. Also, we're going to talk about what the super rich are investing in. They're investing in rocks. Um, we're going to go into the gemstone market. We're going to go into emeralds. We're going to go into why that's a great investment. Um, also, we're going to talk about Bluff Dwellers Cave in Missouri. Really interesting place. Um, a lot of activities there. So we'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the Queen's favorite gemstone. We're going to talk about the World Series ring. It is really something spectacular. We'll talk about Opal's uh, uncut gem. And we, if we have time, we'll go into some fossils. But before we do, folks, I want to thank you guys for subscribing and commenting and being a part of our community. We've got the Radical Rocks group on Facebook. It's free. It is active. There's lots of great pictures and information and educational. Um, we have our YouTube videos, which um, are gaining popularity. We're starting to get a few of those on there. Most of them are either rock hounding or, you know, working on a project or something like that. Some of it's just going through and looking at rocks and identifying them and things like that. Um, also, our blog, which all our links can be found on our blog. If you want to get tied in with our social media or any of these other links, the links are all right there. And that is Radical Rocks USA. Dot blogspot.com and um, when you when you get there you got all our links there's several articles on the blogs which are very educational some of those are definitely worth printing out and keeping in your shop um, your lapidary shop so let's get right into it uh, we've got a lot of subjects here let's see what we can cover and we're going to talk about what are the super rich investing in actually diamonds uh, diamonds and rare gemstones on an article that's at the telegraph.co.uk. Um, the telegraph talks about the gemstones that the super rich are investing in. This was written on the 20th. And just to move right into some of the other things that are going on, um, the market on gemstones, it is forecasted to move way up all the way into 2026. There's a lot of key indicators. If you're interested in that, um, on jewishlifenews.com, uh, we have a gentleman there that's very interested in gemstones. He's always writing really good articles on those and finding uh, some of the good information. Gemstone market, global Chinese newest industry data, future trends, key indicators, and forecast. And they're showing that um, there's going to be huge increase in gemstone investing and several companies blue nile tiffany sales some of these other big companies are buying more and more gemstones every year and it's projected to continue up at a rate at over four percent per year is what it looks like and some of the stones that they're most interested in and that are gaining in value is diamond ruby sapphire emerald tourmaline and then of course there's many many others <coughs> excuse me all right. So some of the other things, uh, let's see if we can find a little bit more information on the global market here. I've already got that. Let me close that. Close that. Okay, there we go. Um, the gemstone market uh, analysis is on newsdistinct.com. 
newsdistinct.com, and uh, the article is written on the 29th. And they're talking about gemstones are expected to expand and double-digit growth rate. Um, and that includes um, some of those big companies that we talked about. And when you go through the article, they have quite a few graphs um, and um, things like that showing where this, uh, where it's going to happen. And um, it just it's something to think about. You know, a lot of people are invested in the stock market, and that, that may or may not be a good idea. Um, some people think the stock market's going to crash again, and that could be a very bad thing. But colored gemstones have historically been, um, if you buy good quality and buy some of the rarer stones, they have been a good investment over, over time. So something to think about. All right, as far as these wonderful colored gemstones go, uh, emeralds. Emeralds are one of those that are gaining in demand. An article written at uh, Minifin, it's, it's M-E-N-A-F-N dot com. Um, it's Minifn. They have an article on uh, Kate Florence. She's launching a new collection of emeralds. And uh, this is because of this increased demand in, in gemstones and emeralds in particular. And uh, something to see. So we can just see that the colored gemstone market is really taking off. Next, I want to tell you about a very interesting article that I bumped into. It's entitled, Pretty as a Peacock, the Gemstone for the Next Generation of Smart Sensors. Now, even though this is not a natural gemstone, I thought it was a pretty good human interest story. It is a multi-purpose, functional, graphene-infused synthetic opals. So this new um, concoction that the scientists have, have, have taken is actually inspired from the, the bio-imicracy um, of butterfly wings and peacocks and how their feathers innovate like this opalite material that could be a cornerstone for the next set of smart sensors. So what do these smart sensors do? Well, these photonic crystals could be used to develop sensors that warn when an earthquake might strike. Okay, and they're not just hard crystals like you think. These things are flexible. Um, they're kind of like built into a polymer. And there's been quite a bit of study. There's a, an article published in Advanced Functional Materials where they talk about producing these um, with this minor, this uh, tiny little amount of graphene. It's G-R-A-P-H-E-N-E, -E, which it gives it this wide range of desirable qualities and outputs that can be seen with the naked eye. Um, with the naked eye and under natural light, it's green. And in, they're extremely versatile and change color to blue when stretched or turned transparent when heated. Now, there's a whole slew of things that these things can be um, used for they're they don't have a picture of them but they say they're really beautiful to look at um, they've already made them they said that uh, they can have these this uh, bio mimicry where it mimics things as butterfly wings peacock peacock feathers beetle shells where the color comes from the structure and not the pigments and um, here they are inventing something that nature took you know however many thousands or millions of years whatever your train of thought is 
And these sensors that they're going to build out of this will be able to give a visual indication if perishables like food or pharmaceuticals have uh, undesirable time temperature histories. They're extremely sensitive to even a small raise in temperature um, between 20 and 100 degrees Celsius. And they also can be used for fingerprint analysis, biosensing, <coughs> um, to, to see how healthy you are to censor your body um, and health different things. And for um, sports players, they could be put in a wristband um, where they can, um, you know, make sure that uh, someone has uh, washed their hands even. Um, all kinds of interesting things that can be used for this. Let's see if I can scroll down to anything else. And that's, that's about it. I thought that was pretty interesting. Next, um, let's see if we can go into the um, Bluff Dweller's Cave. Uh, I thought this was a good article as well. This is um, written uh, on the Missourian, and you can find that at uh, com. And the article um, came out on the 21st, and they've got a beautiful picture of the cave with these um, calcium uh, stalactites and stalagmites and this interesting salamander, the cave salamander, which lives in there. He's uh, very long-looking and uh, orange, a beautiful uh, orange with these black uh, spots all over him. Real pretty. And um, maybe not real pretty to you, but I thought it was real pretty. This cave was discovered by Arthur Browning in 1925, and uh, he didn't know it, but this would become a family legacy. The cave had actually uh, an entryway to it, uh, scientists estimate, some two to 3,000 years ago, and a, uh, a cave-in happened, or a landslide happened and covered covered it. But as he was walking around, he felt this wind coming up and started digging and discovered this cave, which stays 56 degrees all year long. So this is a year-round visiting type of place. Um, it is right in the four-state area of Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Kansas. People come from all around. Um, they discovered in this cave that uh, the Native Americans had used it for food storage, processing, tool making, uh, and they found many artifacts in the cave, including grinding stones, arrowheads, ashes, and even a few uh, skeletal remains. There's many, many passages. It's 3,268-foot network of passages. Uh, it's got easy-to-walk-on uh, pathways. And again, there's the stalactites and stalagmites, notable cave um, formations that are in there. One of them is called the uh, Ridlands, which is the favorite part of the cave. It's, uh, it looks like coral. It is coral, it says. Um, all kinds of neat things to look at while you're there. Also, uh, bats and salamanders, and also prick, uh, prickler frogs, and a very rare uh, bristly cave crayfish is uh, home there. And then um, they offer food and everything else. Of course, you know, with the the lockdown and everything. Hopefully that'll be opened again. They have their own museum there, which they have accumulated a large um, collection of rocks, minerals, and crystals, fossils, antiques, and artifacts from all around the country um, that were collected between 1958 and 1999. So that's something you might definitely want to check out while you're there. They've got a gift shop. They also have gemstone panning. Of course, there's little charges for all this stuff. You can check it out on the website. Again, it's the uh, Columbia uh, com, and you can just look up the article if you want by looking up the uh, title Discover Geological Formations in Bluff Dwellers Cave. So there's a lot of things to do there. Pretty cool, pretty cool. All right. 
Next, well, we talked about emeralds. Let's talk about the, the queen, her favorite gemstone. There was a really cool article in express.co.uk. Um, it seems to be some sort of a newspaper. They've got all kinds of uh, ads and stuff that kind of trying to block the article. So hopefully I can, I can get some of the information here. But, you know, she uh, just did a uh, public speaking. This article's on May the 26th. She did a public speaking, um, and, you know, of course, the coronavirus and everything, she's been staying away uh, for her health, but she's always been big on jewelry, and she was wearing, um, during this uh, recent public address to the nation that she does, beautiful turquoise, um, which, you know, everything she wears for a reason, and also these aquamarines, but something a lot of people may not know, her favorite uh, gemstone of all is sapphire, and um, she, uh, her favorite set of sapphires, she obtained on her 18th birthday in 1944, when the king gave his daughter, her, the first set of important jewels as she reached that milestone age, which included a sapphire bracelet, and of course that is her favorite. Um, so it's a really cool article. Got pictures of the queen there with uh, some of her jewelry on and uh, quite the spectacle. Now let's talk about um, the World Series um, ring. This ring, um, you can read about it on the republicworld.com and uh, they talk about the National World Series ring. It was written on May the 25th. Displays a baby shark and whopping 257 precious gemstones in total. And you can go here and see a picture of it. It's really quite a sight to see. It's uh, It's got this blue, um, I'm imagining they're sapphires, rubies, and diamonds. A blue circle around it where it says world champions. And then a, a round part with white. And then um, the W for world is done in these beautiful rubies. And um, it is something to behold. It really is pretty. Um, I think they, oh, we're going to talk about something else. Now, this is going to be our last article for today. I don't know how many minutes we're into this, but we might go into fossils. But but uh, let's talk about Opal, the uncut gem, if I can pull that up, and I think I can. This is really interesting. I have not seen this um, movie, but it's called Uncut Gem. The article's found on uh, hitc.com. It's H-I-T-C.com. And um, it was written by Tom uh, Lewin, and that uh, was four days ago. He, it says, how much is an uncut gem black opal really worth? Now, I was impressed with this article because it really went into a lot of information on opals. So this might be something you want to check out. Um, this movie, The Uncut Gems, was widely uh, a best film of 2019. And uh, it's coming to Netflix soon. It was about Howard uh, Ratner, a jeweler in New York, played by Adam Chandler, who procures a precious uncut gemstone called a black opal. And uh, it's really a cool-looking stone. Now, they talk about um, opals are not crystals, but they're mineraloids, and, um, you know, they lack the microstructure to be called a crystalline, and they are formed from centuries of rain leaking into microscopic silica particles from sandstone deep into rock cavities, and then when they dry, the silica becomes compressed into a densely packed lattice, and when light travels through it, it creates the stunning kaleidoscope of flashing rainbow of colors that uh, is the fire that we see inside opal. So they talk about the five types of opal, the white light opal, transluent 
uh, transluent to semi-transluent with a white or light gray background color called body couleur. Uh, Black opal translucent to opal with a black or other dark background and fire opal transparent to translucent with brown, yellow, orange, or red body color and is also known as Mexican opal, which that is really pretty. Uh, Boulder opal translucent to opal with light to dark background where fragments of the surrounding rocks called matrix become part of the finished gem. Crystal or water opal transparent to semi-transparent with clear background that shows an exceptional kaleidoscope of color. Now, the article, you just want to scroll down. There's some beautiful pictures. Uh, it says black opals are the rarest because of the dark body color that contracts uh, contracts with the light. It's a contrast, is what I should say, so dramatically. And they're also the most expensive. So um, they're very coveted and a high dollar. Now, they talk about the movie. They said that the black opal in the movie is not real. It's a, it's a, a prop, um, but it is made from real opals. And um, they they made this to you know look very impressive. It was made. Um, it talks about how it was made, um, and so on. But then it says in the movie um, the opal would weigh between four thousand and five thousand carats, and at at an upper estimate of three thousand dollars per carat, this would mean that the uncut gem would be worth between twelve million and fifteen million dollars. So. That is crazy, but um, they said um, the piece that they have, the actual piece, it is looking to be sold between 150 and 225,000 at an auction house, um, just because it was in the movie, I guess, and it's made with real opals. So, pretty interesting. Um, I've got a lot of opal fans. We've got a lot of opal fans. That's her favorite gemstone on our Facebook group, Radical Rocks. I uh, have a poll there which people take part in, and we've got a ton of people that are loving that. So if you're still with me, um, <clears throat> before we go into fossils, excuse me, dry voice, first take every time pretty much, um, remember go to radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com and support us. We're trying to help keep rock hounding alive. We are doing educational work. We give part of our proceeds to um, groups that are um, doing that, educating young people or doing other things. And our hope is eventually, if we can get enough subscribers on all these different forms of media, we can actually help keep places open. So please, please, um, we're not asking for money or anything. We're just asking for your attention. That's it. All right, fossils. I'm going to go through the fossils really quickly. Um, uh, fossil bite marks revealing menacing Jurassic carnivore as a dinosaur cannibal. Um, let's see if the article comes up. I think this was a, a fossil that um, was found that had these bite marks in it. And um, it's kind of a rare uh, rare thing. And then they, they believe they know exactly what was biting it doesn't seem to want to come up right now get a little stall a little lag time here so let's take a look at the next article uh, technical difficulties fossil of ancient long-tailed bird was found in China um, that's something you could look up on sci-fi news.com it's a new species of um, uh, aviary avian bird and uh, that lived during the, uh, the Cretaceous period and um, they found a nearly complete specimen. So that's pretty cool. 
Also, um, in the Craig Daily Press, Dinosaur National Monument increases recreational access to include camping and river use. So if you were wanting to go there, it looks like that's starting to open up. That's pretty cool. Um, let's see if I can get this one to open. Man, some of these areas. Uh, once upon a time, there was a huge saber-toothed uh, tiger. We'll read about that. Jurassic dinosaur Allosaurus may have been called, may have been a cannibal, according to this article. Um, so pretty interesting stuff there, guys. I have a little internet um, connection problem. So I'm going to wrap this up, guys. Thank you for participating. Thank you for supporting and subscribing and sharing and all that good stuff. Remember, rockhounds don't die. They petrify. <laughs>